0: Well, hey there and welcome to worship. My name is Megan Honig. I'm the associate pastor here on Stafford Crossroads and it's so good to be in worship with you today, online, wherever you are. We are so happy you're here and ready to sit down and worship. Um, with us here at crossroads so we are in the third week of advent if you can believe it only one more sunday and then christmas is the week after that so we have just um, been loving enjoying the advent season with you and with our church family this season so um, like i said we're in the third week of advent this year Uh, this Yeah, we're in the third week of Advent. Um, Our scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 11. I will get there in just a few minutes if you'd like to follow along. Um, But uh, before we do that, let's pray before we get started. God, we thank you for uh, the ability to come together virtually to worship you. Um, It's good to know that no matter where we are, that we can um, worship with one another and that we are worshiping the same Lord and Savior in Jesus. Um, God, would you be with us today as we worship? Would you be with me as I preach? Open our ears and hearts to hear what you want us to hear. God, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So our story this morning um, and today comes from Matthew's gospel. It's a ways into the story of Jesus. He has already begun his ministry. And then many of the healings and miracles and teachings that we know him for. And by this time, the prophet John the Baptist, if you remember him, is in prison. And that's where this scripture is set today. John sits in prison, which is a lot different than what we think of as prison today. Prison then was not a place where you served sentences and you um, just sat out for the rest of your life. It was a place where you awaited your fate. You awaited for the king or whoever it was to tell you what your sentence was. If you were um, going to live, if you were going to die, you just waited until he told you what was going to happen. Um, And then at some point, you would be acquitted or convicted or whatever your fate was. So that's where we are today. John the Baptist is sitting in prison. And so you might be asking, why is John in prison? And that is a great question. The last time we see John in the book of Matthew is at Jesus' baptism in chapter 3. And after that, we don't really see him again until here in chapter 11, when we hear about John and he's suddenly in prison. So why is he there? Why is he in prison? What he do to get there? If we look ahead a little bit to chapter 14, it tells us why. Matthew 14 verses 3 through 5 says, now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of the people because they considered John a prophet. So John is in prison because he confronted King Herod about him unlawfully taking his sister-in-law as his wife. And this enraged Herod so much that he took John and put him in prison. But it also says that Herod didn't just Killed John like he probably wanted to. It says he didn't because the people knew that John was the greatest prophet. And so killing John would have really uh, ticked off everybody else in the land and Herod didn't want that. He didn't want a kingdom full of people who hated him. So he just kept John in prison. And that is where our scripture starts today. It starts with John sitting in prison. Let's look to Matthew to see what it says and what's going on. This is Matthew 11, verses 2 through 11. When John, who is in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. No, those who wear fine clothes are in kings' palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is about. This is one about whom it is written, "I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you." Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet another. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so we see John sitting in prison, and he has heard about what Jesus has been doing, probably from his disciples who have come to visit him. And I guess John has had a lot of time to sit and think about it in prison, because he decides to send his disciples to Jesus with an interesting question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? What a strange question! At least it was for John the Baptist to be asking. The last time we see an interaction with Jesus and John was at John at Jesus's baptism. Jesus had come to John the, ba- ba- John the Baptist to be baptized in the Jordan River. And John initially refused to baptize Jesus, saying that Jesus was the one that should be baptizing John. This was the one that John had foretold, the one John had said would baptize with fire in the Holy Spirit. John had come to proclaim that the Messiah was coming. That was John the Baptist's job. So why on earth would John need to baptize Jesus for But Jesus insisted, saying that it was necessary to fulfill all righteousness, and John gave in and baptized him. But now, sometime later, John is having second thoughts on Jesus, if he is really the Messiah or not. Maybe Jesus wasn't who John thought he was, who John had hoped that he was. Have you ever been really, really sure about something and then later start to doubt or even regret it? Maybe you bought the perfect Christmas gift for someone and then the more you held on to it, you realize that maybe they won't like this. Maybe they're not into this gift. Or maybe you gave them the gift and they hardly looked at it. They didn't really care and just said, oh, thanks but they didn't get excited like you hoped they would. Or maybe you've fallen in love with someone and joined your life together with them. Maybe you started a family with them only for years down the road for you to start to think, maybe they aren't who I thought they were. Maybe they're not the one. Or maybe you've made a big life change. Maybe you've started a new job. You left your old one for this new, promising, exciting job. Maybe you even moved cities for it. But then a few weeks or months into this job, things aren't exactly how you thought they would be. Maybe this job wasn't the right decision after all. Or maybe you bought something really big, like a car or a house. Maybe you drained your bank account your savings and got a mortgage to buy your absolute dream house. But then months or years down the road, there's big structural problems, there's uh, plumbing issues, pipe bursts, or maybe you've just grown out of it. And then you might start to think, maybe this wasn't my dream house. Maybe this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I had one of those moments um, about six months ago and it has since um, turned around, don't worry. But a lot of you know that I got a puppy at the end of April and her name is Bubbles and she is the absolute light of my life. I love her so much. Um, But I got her and then really after like one or two days of this tiny little three pound puppy, absolutely ruling and wreaking havoc on my life, I was a little nervous that maybe this whole puppy thing wasn't for me because I couldn't do anything without bubbles squeaking or getting in my way, or I couldn't leave her alone because maybe she'd eat something. About like four or five days into having this puppy, I asked my neighbor to babysit her for two hours so that I could clean my house. Because I couldn't even clean without her getting into something or chewing on something or um, just being so needy. And I was like, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought this dog was going to be so fun and happy, but this isn't what I thought it was going to be like. Obviously, you all know that I'm obsessed with her, and it got a lot better as she got older, But I really did have this moment of regret for the first couple weeks where I was so concerned that this little puppy was going to absolutely terrorize my life for the rest of my life. Um, But I'm so glad that it got better. But things don't always work out as we had planned. John the Baptist felt a call from God. He was called to help people prepare for something wonderful and new that was going to happen. God was about to change everything, and people needed to prepare. They needed to repent so that they could be a clean slate, so they could be a part of this new thing that was going to happen when the Messiah came. John said a Messiah was coming who was going to throw out the corrupt priests in the Jerusalem temple and lift up the oppressed and make sure Herod got what he deserved and restore Israel to glory John thought Jesus is going to come and do all these huge, big things. John even said this to those who came to receive baptism in 3 um, verses 12. He said, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will, he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. John thought Jesus was going to come to judge the unrighteous and put the world back in order like it was going to be some big judgment day and Jesus was going to get rid of everyone who didn't believe and wasn't following the law and that peace on earth was going to come and it was all going to be just like he thought it was going to be. But that's not what he hears what Jesus is doing. So now John sits in prison, waiting to hear what Herod will do with him. And he probably knows that it's not going to end well. So as he sat in prison and looked around, it didn't seem that anything that he expected to happen was happening. Herod was still in power, the Romans were still in power, the temple priests were still in power, and the world didn't look any different. This isn't what John expected from the Messiah. No wonder he sends his disciples to Jesus to ask, are you the one? I think John the Baptist asks a question that I think a lot of us church people would like to ask, but we're not really willing to say it out loud. Are you the one? That's a big question and who knows where it might lead For some, that question might be a threat to their faith, or for others, it might force them to define their faith. And I wonder sometimes if the gradual evolution of Advent that has come and now is a month-long Christmas celebration instead, if that didn't arise because of the avoidance of John's question. For a lot of us, Christmas is about celebrating a wonderful, beautiful, joyful story without getting too deep into the implications of that story, without worrying too much about the identity of that baby lying in the manger. Advent, on the other hand, is about preparing and getting ready for the new life that Jesus, that same little baby, will one day bring us. But that involves difficult questions about who Jesus is and who we are and what it means to follow him. So we say, let's just celebrate Christmas. Are you the one? I'm not sure it's possible to be a Christian without answering that question in some way. And so it's a good thing that John the Baptist asks this question for those of us who are scared or embarrassed or hesitant to ask that question ourselves. And isn't it a relief when someone asks our question for us? Do you remember ever being in school and just sitting in class being so confused and just embarrassed that you didn't understand what was going on, so embarrassed that you didn't even want to raise your hand and ask a question for clarification? So you just hoped someone else would. And eventually someone else did ask the question that you had been hoping. And it's even better when that kid in the class is the smartest kid in class who has that question. Probably made you feel a little less dumb, a little less lost. If The smartest kid had also had that same question. And this is John the Baptist for us. This is the one that Jesus said is the greatest prophet ever born, the smartest kid in class. And he asks for us, are you the one? Are you the one? And just like Jesus does, he answers. And you know, it's never a short yes or no answer. Uh, When someone asks Jesus a question, he has a bit more in-depth of an answer. And Jesus says in verse four, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus begins to list the things that he's been doing And talks about his healing ministry and the healings that Jesus did really had a huge social impact back in his day. The lame and the blind and the deaf had no real possibilities in Jesus' day. All they could do really was lay on the street and beg for people to help them. They didn't really have anyone or any social services or any place to go like we have today. They were just simply beggars on the street that Jesus ministered to them, the lowest in their society. And they weren't um, used to this good news that Jesus was telling them. Jesus tells the poor that they have good news. And the poor wasn't used to good news back then. It was all bad news. Just like he's the redemption and the hope that we wait for the poor were waiting for good news and that news was jesus then jesus finishes by saying blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me i gotta ask the question who doesn't stumble over jesus who isn't ever tripped up by him There's a lot of things about Jesus that bothers us, that maybe embarrasses us, that offends us. He's always saying things that make us squirm. He's always insisting that we do things that we would rather not do or rather not say. But at least the baby Jesus at Christmas doesn't ask us to do too much. He's pretty uncontroversial. He's just a sweet little baby in a beautiful story with animals and angels and shepherds and hope for peace on earth. But this is Advent, a time of preparing for the one who is coming, whom we are called to follow. And John asked that question that we love to avoid but must be answered. Are you the one? Jesus, apparently, is not the one that John had been expecting. But Jesus invites John to look again, to see the work that he has done in the world. And in this season of waiting and preparing and hoping, it might be a good idea for us to reflect on the work that Jesus has done in our lives in the world, and for us to answer John's question. to look again at jesus and ask are you the one we can get so caught up in christmas that we don't stop to think about what we're celebrating at all we're so excited about the presents and traditions and family time and decorations that we just glance over the real meaning of christmas and the real hope that jesus brings for our lives or Maybe we're too uncomfortable to face what we're supposed to be celebrating and say how we really feel. Because maybe, just maybe, if we can admit it to ourselves, maybe Jesus isn't who you hoped he was. Life is full of disappointment, It's full of letdowns, and it has more pain and sorrow than any of us were ever really meant to bear. Maybe there's been a time where you had the weight of the world on your shoulders, and you looked around, and it seemed like Jesus was nowhere to be found. He just wasn't there, absent. You heard in church that Jesus was supposed to be there for you, to help you, save you, and make your life better but you sure can't find any of that right now maybe jesus isn't who you thought he was or perhaps maybe you just misunderstood him like john did john thought jesus was supposed to be this incredible godlike figure who came crashing into the world to set everyone straight and restore the people of god and bring peace to earth but when john heard about him and what he'd been doing that's not what seemed to be happening at all jesus was instead healing people he was giving to the poor he was spending time with normal people criminals even this was not what john was expecting so, I want to ask you in your life, when you look around and can't find Jesus, can you really not find him anywhere? Or are you just looking in the wrong places? Maybe Jesus isn't who you thought he was, but maybe he is better. Yes, Jesus is comforting and loving and compassionate. But he's so much more than that. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He is friend, he is brother, he is redeemer, forgiver, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And I know that we like to talk about the sweet nativity story in the little baby Jesus that comes with it. But if we keep him at arm's length and leave him just as he is, as a baby in a story, then what's the point? What is all this for? If we don't believe and know that Christ has come, we will come again, he will come again to save us and bring us back to him. If we don't know that, then what is the point? The baby that changed the entire world came for you. He came to change you. He came to redeem you. He came to bring you home to him. So if you know that you've been keeping Jesus at arm's length and just left him as some nice little baby in a story, I want you to let him into your life this Christmas season. Don't be afraid to let him in. Open your life up to him because he has the power and the authority and the love to change your life for the better. And if you have opened your life to Jesus, but he wasn't who you thought he was, I want you to look for him in new ways in your life. Maybe he isn't miraculously fixing the big problems in your life maybe he's not miraculously healing you or someone that you're praying for but he is there i guarantee you standing next to you in all of your problems like only a friend could do shouldering the weight of the world with you like only a savior could do Open your eyes to the new ways of seeing Jesus, and you will see that he absolutely is the one. So open yourself up to Jesus. Let him into your heart this Christmas. Don't leave him at arm's length. That's not where he is supposed to be. Out here is just some baby in a story. He is supposed to be in you and with you all the time let him in, look for him in new ways, and celebrate Jesus as the baby, but also Jesus as coming again to rescue you, to bring us all into eternal life with him. And hopefully we will discover that when we can indeed bring Jesus into our lives, we can glimpse the one who is and is to come. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me? Dear God, I thank you for this Christmas season. I thank you for Advent and the waiting and preparing that we do for Jesus. God, Advent is not just four weeks a year. We continuously live in it. Jesus came as a baby to save the world, but he will come again one day to save us all. redeem us all and restore the world and restore us to him god you will come and restore each one of us so in this season of advent now and in the greater season of advent in our lives that we live out every single day be with us and remind us that you haven't left us alone that you are coming back and that we can wait expectantly for you to change our lives for the better and to one day bring us back home to you. God, it's in your son's name that we pray. listening to our podcast be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content if you have any comments or questions for us feel free to jump over to washingtoncrossroads.com thank you again and have a great week